Hi, this is Chris Morocco, food director of Bon Appetit and Epicurious and host of Bon Appetit's new weekly podcast, Dinner SOS. I'm excited to share the first episode of Dinner SOS, where Bon Appetit food editor Shilpa Iskokovic and I help Brooke with her Thanksgiving. Brooke is an American expat currently living in Amsterdam who is hosting Thanksgiving for her friends, but she's used to her mom's big Texas kitchen. Will she be able to conquer the metric system and her small kitchen in order to make an American Thanksgiving that her friends in Amsterdam will never forget? Tune in to find out. And don't forget to follow and listen to Dinner SOS, available wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Dinner SOS, a new show from Bon Appetit where we help our listeners solve their dinner emergencies. I'm Chris Morocco, food director of Bon Appetit and Epicurious. So here's how the show works. Each week, a listener brings us a dinner problem, and I'll work with one of our editors or someone from our amazing test kitchen to try and solve it. No problem is too big or too small. Now, here's where it gets interesting. We'll offer two solutions, but our caller can only choose one. It's sort of a competition. Brooke is hosting Thanksgiving abroad for the first time ever. She's working with a smaller European oven, plus she's having trouble finding all the ingredients she's used to. Luckily, BA food editor Shilpa Iskokovic is on the case. <laughs> You're just jealous I had a proper menu, all right? Move on. <laughs> now, normally, we'd each offer Brooke just one recipe to choose from. But with the biggest cooking holiday of the year just around the corner, we are going big, and we're each giving her a full menu. Before we dive in, though, let's talk about Thanksgiving for a sec. As we were making this year's Thanksgiving issue of the Bon Appetit print magazine, we realized that there was a common theme emerging, anxiety and trepidation. People just feel so much pressure around Thanksgiving in a way that they don't around other holidays. I think that's for a couple reasons. One, because most other American holidays don't really lean on food in the same way. So this meal can feel like your most stressful cooking day of the year. And two, we have such a narrow idea of what the archetypal Thanksgiving meal looks like. Turkey, stuffing, mashed potatoes, maybe some green bean casserole. You get the picture. And yes, those things can be delicious, but also it doesn't have to be this way. So today, on our first episode of Dinner SOS, we're going to help Brooke think outside the turkey. That's this week on Dinner SOS. First up, let's hear from Brooke. Hey, Brooke, this is Chris. How are you? Hi, Chris. I'm great. How are you? I'm doing okay. Um, where are you calling from? I am calling from Amsterdam. Wow. Is, is Amsterdam as fun to live in as I imagine it is? Or is it one of those places like, oh, it's like fun to visit, but like you wouldn't actually want to like make it your your 24-7? No, I absolutely love it, actually. There's so much nature. Like I live right next to the forest. I go for oh. a walk to see like duckies and ponies every day. It's just really cute. L- literally ponies, <laughs> like small horses. Yeah. Close to where yeah. you live. Wow. Well, um, so Brooke, Talk to me about why you called in. I have been a huge fan of y'all for ever. And so when I saw that y'all were looking for people who are having 
Thanksgiving challenges or crises, I was like, that's me. (laughs) Because when I moved here, there was a lot that I had to adjust to. I go to the grocery store and I'm having to use my Google Translate app to figure out what everything is. I can't find certain products that I'm used to having easy access to. And everything is measured in weight instead of volume. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I have to do a lot of conversions. The biggest challenge I've run into is that my oven is super small. Mm -hmm. Pretty much all the ovens here are super small. Um, And so I can't fit a turkey inside of it. Really, the ovens here, they're combi ovens. So it's like a microwave and an oven all in one. Okay. Like, a combi oven where I come from means it's like a combination of steam and then just, like, dry heat. Mm -hmm. That is not what you're talking about. Mine is a microwave and an oven. And you can do even, like, a combination of microwaving and ovening at the same time. So it's almost like one of those, like, convection ovens that used Mm -hmm. to have, like, microwaves built into them. Yeah, it's hard for me because not only am I used to having a big American oven, yeah, <laughs> but I, you know, usually do Thanksgiving at my mom's house in Texas and she has two big ovens. Uh. So, yeah, I mean like having all these sides and stuff like that be timed right to all be the right temperature yeah, <laughs> is yeah. important to me. Understood. So oven is small, heart yeah. is big, desire <laughs> is present. Can you even get a turkey in Amsterdam? I don't even know. I think it would find be out. uncommon for sure. All right. So yeah, I'm going to touch base with a colleague. Um, we're going to hopefully, you know, set up a time to chat again in about a week or so, and then we'll make a plan. Okay, that sounds great. All right. Talk to you soon. Brooke is used to a big American Thanksgiving with two ovens and all the fixings. But Thanksgiving doesn't have to be beholden to any one set menu or way of doing things. So I wanted to give her some non-traditional options that still hit the right festive notes. So I went looking for my colleague Shilpa Uskokovic, and I found her in the test kitchen. It's always busy up there, and sure enough, Shilpa was making a seven-layer dip. In a sense that, are you gonna melt that cheese? No, should I? Oh okay, my no, God. just no, okay, just keep going. It's okay. No, we're talking about Brooke. <laughs> Shilpa is a food editor at Bon Appetit and a fantastic recipe developer, so I knew she'd have some interesting suggestions for this Thanksgiving SOS. But when I started to give Shilpa the rundown, I was surprised to find that Shilpa and Brooke had something unique in common. My parents had this old wood paneled Panasonic microwave slash oven for the last 30 years, which only just died. They actually got it from America all the way to India. That's what I grew up with. Okay, so Brooke has a combi oven. She basically has a combi oven, but not in the steamy sense, in the microwave sense. Okay, she and her husband eat everything. She's got six people coming. She loves using like a Le Creuset. She loves like stewy, you know, kind of brazy things. Okay. But 
you know, in terms of like a Thanksgiving menu, here's where I'm wondering if like, could we, could we go a click past like one recipe? Like yeah. Maybe is it about offering like a few things, sort of like a critical mass of recipes to underpin like a full menu. So like maybe one of us could propose more of like a traditional menu, you know, that she yeah. could simply do maybe mostly stovetop, okay. still hits like turkey Thanksgiving vibes or at yeah. least like roasted bird Thanksgiving yes. vibes. And maybe, you know, one of us could propose something a little bit disruptive. Okay, I think I would choose the non-traditional one. Yeah, Just because I, I didn't feel... grow up with right. Thanksgiving, so it might make more sense, mm -hmm. I think, coming from me. I feel good about that. I think, here's the thing, like, Brooke seems like she wants to present kind of like at least a certain notion of Thanksgiving to yeah. a group of people who are all non-Americans. So I feel like the real question is like, how much does Brooke want to kind of stick with like some traditional things but yeah. execute it in a way and that's in line with like her kind of like resources yeah. and her kitchen or how much does she want to just kind of like reinvent what Thanksgiving means you know to this audience that's like clearly very global and you know isn't going to feel like beholden to any specifically narrow sort of interpretation of like tradition yeah I think I think we can present the elements of what makes Thanksgiving Thanksgiving, but going outside of how they usually meet might okay. be a good option to offer. Love that. So be thinking about that. You and I are going to regroup, each come up with a plan, and we're going to chat with um, with Brooke. Okay. Okay. All right. Thanks, Shilpa. <laughs> so Shilpa and I got to work brainstorming some ideas for Brooke's Thanksgiving menus. And I, I've got to be honest, we went a little bit overboard. What can I say? We just get excited about food. Shilpa and I each came up with two main dishes to offer Brooke, plus a whole bunch of sides. And a few days later, we got Brooke back on the line to give her our ideas. Hi, Brooke. Welcome back. Hi, how are you? We've been okay. How about yourself? Doing good. So... The way Shilpa and I were kind of talking about it, we figured, you know, what if she kind of offered you a slightly less traditional take on Thanksgiving, just given that Shilpa just loves to disrupt something, um, <laughs> at least on occasion? And what if I gave you something that's a little bit more straightforward? But knowing that, like, within that, you know, within those, like, two very general frameworks, you know, there's still lots of you know, room to experiment and frankly, lots of room for interpretation about just what even is traditional. Yeah, I listen. Yes, I'm a disruptor, but also I didn't <laughs> grow up with Thanksgiving. So I yeah. felt like for me, I could come in and have no preconceived notion of what I need to have on my table. Nice. I love that. Shilpa, can I put you on the spot and have you start giving Brooke the recipes you chose for her Netherlands Thanksgiving? Oh, yeah. Um, well, my approach was I wanted to keep the essence, like some of the flavors that we associate with Thanksgiving. But, you know, taking into mind that perhaps you don't have certain ingredients accessible to you out there. OK, so let me kick it off with the drink. Um, I chose something called a New England Express, which is made with apple cider and a little bit of thyme simple syrup. And rum. Shilpa, can we just talk about like what a 
power move it is to just open things up with a drink. Yeah. <laughs> High praise. Well, yeah, I mean, it's is it is it a party without a drink? Like, you know, it's just a way to ease into the party. And as for appetizers, I'm just uh, after years of like killing myself making stuff. I'm just like open a bag of chips, put out a bowl of olives Get everyone a slightest bit drunk. It's going to be fine. Um, oh, my God. Shilpa, you're, like, <laughs> off out in the weeds. I love it. Keep <laughs> going. Do you agree with me or not? Like, investing the effort into appetizers is no one is paying attention anyway. Don't, don't do that to yourself. Um, <laughs> okay. So moving into the main stuff. I have two choices for you, Brooke. Um, both of which are, like, braised meat. And here's why. Any braised meat, it really takes the pressure off. You know, if it's something like a roast beef or even a turkey or a chicken, you have to, like, be concerned about temperature and timing and stuff. But with something braised, like, you just cook it all the way through until it's tender. So it gives you a little bit of leeway. And plus, most braises are great when you make them ahead anyway. Um, So my choice for you was actually one of Chris's recipes. Um, Chris, it's your baked rice with short ribs, um, Ah. which to me, it almost resembled like a biryani kind of because Mm -hmm. it had like shreddy ropes of um, spiced short rib. And then it was topped with basmati rice and speckled with like pomegranate and carrot on top. And it's just it's just a beautiful looking dish. Um, That's one choice. And the other main that I had was was my recipe. Sorry, I had to sneak one in there. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It was my burnt orange and coriander roast pork. Um, Oh, Oh, that's good. Yeah. (laughs) Which this one is similar in that it's, you know, again, braised and cooked all the way through. But it's different from the previous one in that it is an impressive hulking chunk of meat that you can put up, you know, and it's, it's, it's a little bit more traditional if that's what you're looking for, um, you know, having a centerpiece of meat and things on the side, but equally hands off um, and with great flavors to really wake in the palate. I'm like <laughs> salivating. No, I, Shilpa, before we move on, I, like, is there an ideal like sort of side or anything else you're thinking of? I have like options. Oh the one side that I had was sweet potatoes with tahini butter. I think sweet potatoes are very Oof. necessary for Thanksgiving. So this one is good because it's steamed on the stovetop, so it takes the pressure off of the oven. Wow, uh, so. I love that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, Brooke, those were my options. Chris, you're up. Tell us what you've got in store for Brooke. Okay. So, Brooke, <laughs> I love, like, um, I'm, like, I'm looking like quite the B student compared to Shilpa. Oh. But, anywho, moving on. So, <laughs> I'm looking at, like, my notes for you, Brooke. And, like, apparently, I just simply decided that you were going to have duck this year <laughs> and gave you two duck options. Like, Amazing. who does that? Um, the first one is a pomegranate and honey glazed <laughs> whole roast duck. Okay. Gosh. And... That is from our dear colleague, Hannah Asbrink. She just developed it this year for our Thanksgiving issue. (laughs) And this was part of a story that was all about, you know, basically like how to do anything other than roast a whole turkey. And this is just a delicious, um, you know, glazed duck. There's like the pomegranate molasses. There's some soy sauce. You end up with like a lot of super flavorful jus. Um, A really fun one to play with. 
So the other duck recipe, and this one was like straight from the depths of the archives. This is Don Perry's um, duck confit with spicy pickled raisins. Ooh, and very old duck confit <laughs> is just so good and it's mm -hmm. so forgiving and it's one of those things it's like it's easy to pull off yourself more than most people would know and then to offset all that really rich braised meat you've got these pickled golden raisins um, that are just a wonderful counterpart to um you know to the braise so those were the mains and oh then gosh <laughs> for Oof. a mashed potatoes side our colleague Zainab Issa um, she did this mashed potato recipe that basically sh she reserves the skins, like the potato peel, um, and then just fries them. You know, n nothing crazy, just like a little shallow pan fry and makes these kind of crispy shards of potato skin that go on top of the mashed potato just for a little fun textural update. And I just thought that was just such a smart approach. And it was brilliant because a lot of the potatoes flavor is in its skin. It's in the skin. So instead of throwing it away, the fact that Zainab just repurposed them was absolutely, yeah, truly and, brilliant. And this, anyway, moving on. Last dish. And granted, there's some other stuff that I think could be great with all this, but I just didn't want to overwhelm you. Unlike Shilpa. Um, <laughs> and um, th this You're year. You're jealous um, I had a proper menu. All right, move oh on. My, I, I was in a fight with my printer all morning <laughs> trying to get these things printed. And you know what? I won. Everything's cool. Um, so, cornbread biscuits. Inez uh, Anguiano, our um, test kitchen coordinator, you know, sort of plumbed the kind of like the cornbread tradition and plumbed the buttermilk biscuit tradition to kind of come up with something that sort of combines the best of both things. Like, I don't know. I just was like, I, I'd love to get you away from like the vegetable shortening world, mm -hmm. frankly, and like put you, uh, you know, into a recipe, you know, that's like got like, you know, butter, buttermilk, just like the the sweetest, richest, um, you know, purest expression of dairy possible. Brooke, I have to say, I tested this recipe twice and I ate it more times than I should have, probably. Um, but... They're sensational. They're really good. You know, you can decide. And like, honestly, like we're coming in basically with like a holiday special here, right? Like for the launch of this podcast, which is like kind of a crazy move. Um, mm -hmm. You know, there's no rules and there's no pressure to do like everything, you know, but okay. I think we'd love it if you could take an opportunity, you know, to do a dry run of like one or perhaps two of these dishes before Thanksgiving and report back so that other people who are listening can kind of hear mm. what guided your choices and what experience you had. Yeah, I cannot wait to try. <laughs> I will let you guys know how it goes. We're Brooke, I cannot wait. And just thank you for doing this. Yeah, you're thanking me. I'm like, thank you. I, I'm i like, can we make this a yearly tradition? <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've just been beaming this whole time. If only you could see my face. I cannot wait. <laughs> So we sent Brooke both menus. First, Shilpa's Thanksgiving Disrupted, which included orange and coriander roast pork, sweet potatoes with tahini butter, and a cocktail. We also sent my slightly more traditional duck Ford Thanksgiving with the mashed potatoes with crispy potato skins, plus cornbread buttermilk biscuits. 
By the way, you can find all of these recipes on bonappetit.com or on the app from our sister brand, Epicurious. After the break, we'll get Brooke back on the line to hear how it went. Last Days, a new podcast exploring the biggest icons in pop culture taken too soon and what led to their untimely deaths. It seemed like he was on the cusp of this sort of demise. The juxtaposition between that and the onstage persona that caught us all off guard. Conspiracy theories, shocking details, and untold heartbreak. Hosts Jason and Derek unpack the stories behind each star's demise. This was an unnecessarily ghastly presentation of gory details. It was a media blowback, used the corner, basically clout chasing. Larger than life, bigger in death. Last Days, available wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back with Dinner SOS, the Thanksgiving in Amsterdam edition. Now, before the break, we heard all about Brooke's challenges, from her small oven to the grocery options she has in the Netherlands. So we were eager to hear if she would find what she would need to start cooking. Plus, I was dying to know if she picked my menu or Shilpa's. When we got word that Brooke did a dry run of her Thanksgiving meal, Shilpa and I headed down to the studio and listened to a voice memo from Brooke. I am a little nervous. I hope that I do everyone proud and that everyone enjoys the meal. But I think with these recipes, I can't really go wrong. So I've decided that I'm going to cook the burnt orange coriander pork shoulder which I chose because I think that the in, the flavors just sound really interesting. Um, I'm always a big fan of citrus with meat. And for sides, I'm going to cook the sweet potatoes with tahini butter, which I think my husband will really love because he's from Lebanon and they use a lot of tahini there. So hopefully he'll enjoy those. And then I'm also going to make the cornbread cheddar biscuits because I love cheddar and (laughs) who doesn't love a good cornbread biscuit? (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Shilpa's just laughing and she's sitting right next to me. There's like nowhere to hide. She's just like beaming. This is the first time I wish we were on video, Chris. (laughs) Yeah. Brooke, that sounds amazing. Okay, so before we hear how Brooke's dinner went, Shilpa, can you quickly walk us through how to make the roast pork and sweet potatoes? Just the broad strokes. Sure. For the burnt orange and coriander roast pork, the first step is to make the marinade. You char some oranges under the broiler, and then you blend their juice with toasted spices, chilies, and honey into a paste. And then you rub that paste onto boneless, skinless pork shoulder and let it sit overnight. The next day, you roast it low and slow until it's very tender. For the sweet potatoes with tahini butter, you steam the potatoes until they're tender. Then combine butter, lime juice, tahini, soy sauce, and sesame oil. And you put that delicious mixture all over the potatoes and sprinkle with sesame seeds. Wow. So... The cornbread cheddar biscuits are a little bit more involved, but totally worth it. The dough uses both cornmeal and blended up corn kernels. And then there's the dairy. We've got cheddar, buttermilk, and lots of butter. Once the dough is made and kneaded, you create those delicious layers by rolling the dough out, cutting it, stacking the layers, and rolling them out again. 
You do this four times before chilling, dividing the dough into individual biscuits and baking. And so, okay, back up for a sec and set the scene for us. You made some of these dishes, and was it for an occasion? Did you have friends over? Yes, so we had um, a few friends over. Most of our friends are expats, so it was definitely an international crowd, and none of them have ever had Thanksgiving before. (laughs) Walk us through the recipes themselves, like highs, lows, pain points. Yeah, so um, as far as these recipes went, I would say that my main concern when I got the pork shoulder was I was like, oh, my God, how is this going to fit in my Dutch oven? It <laughs> just barely fit. Oh, and wow. I I was worried that um, it wouldn't have enough room to kind of like breathe in there. I don't know if that's important, but. No, but that's a good thing, actually. It You know, especially when you're braising something, you know, mm-hmm. if it just fits snugly and then you cover it and it's nice and cozy in there, it braises better. Yeah, I mean, whatever you have to do to physically fit the meat in there is, is fair game. Yeah. I think it did cook down in size a bit. Mm. Um, and it came out perfectly. So, uh, nice. yeah, I thought maybe that... If I did it next time, I might not cook it open as long mm. um, just because the top did get like a little more burnt. But I think that when once you shred it and get it all with the juices and stuff like that, then it just blends together um, with some nice texture. I, I think it went really well. And it was just the flavor was incredible and super juicy. And I'm so happy that I have some leftovers as well that mm. I've been snacking on. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that orange, I just I just Whoa. love to put those like bright <laughs> flavors with the, you know, like rich meat flavors. So like I can't have a, a burger without a pineapple on it. Sorry, I think something wow. something crazy just happened with my audio. I, you said something about um, <laughs> pineapple on a burger. Yes. Back, that is back my up go-to. and just sort of wind it back and sort of set the stage for me. Where did you first have this? And is this something of your own devising? And yeah, explain. You know, so uh, y'all are in New York, right? Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've heard of Bear Burger, right? Yes, yeah, I so love Bear oh, Burger. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. We, we love Bear Burger. <laughs> yeah, so they used to have this Hawaiian burger that had blue cheese and barbecue sauce. <laughs> I'm a little scared, but go on. <laughs> <laughs> Your and face. It, it was just amazing. So, uh, like, that that grilled pineapple just, like, holds this explosion of juicy, bright flavor. And I once I had that, I was, like, sold. Now, everywhere I go, I look for <laughs> pineapple on my burger. <laughs> Are you able to find that in Europe? <laughs> no. <laughs> I have to make it. Wow. When, when you told us you liked flavors and loved cooking, I mean, you know, we, we tend to believe, you know, our collars and everything, but, like, the pineapple with the burger, and you said blue cheese and, <laughs> and what, barbecue, and barbecue. Like you're, you're like <laughs> you are painting 
a rainbow of flavor. I, I know, mean, there is I nothing know. left behind. You've got sweet, you've got sour, you've got like funky, funky you've got bitter. I mean, wow. Yeah. Okay, and and I think the cool thing too about like the pork and you know Shilpa, you obviously like thought this through. I think you know tahini and citrus mm. works really well together. I think like shreddy rich meat, but with like the sort of sweet earthiness of like sweet yeah. potato is so good and strong. Like talk talk to us about how the the potatoes went. Yeah, so the potatoes were super good. Um, I found the. F- flavor was just so interesting because I have never put tahini with lime before. Mm -hmm. And obviously combining tahini with butter was just really nice. Um, It was just so comforting and smooth and rich, but not overly indulgent where you feel gross after eating it, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And for folks listening, so this is like kind of a compound butter of sorts, right? It is, yeah. You've got butter, you've got toasted sesame oil, tahini, lime juice, soy sauce. But I think it works because ultimately like tahini wants acidity, right? And instead of Mm -hmm. like maybe a little bit of the more common lemon, you know, it's like skewed towards lime, even a little bit more like aromatic, um, and pungent in some ways. And then it's kind of rounded out with like the toasted sesame and then seasoned with the soy. That's a really, really interesting combination. Yeah, I loved it. Um, it that was tied for me with the cornbread cheddar biscuits. Talk to me about those biscuits. Now, it's like cornmeal. <laughs> wow. Is that like a thing that is readily available in Amsterdam? Yes, I found the cornmeal. I did struggle (laughs) with the buttermilk. I was in the store and I was asking around to all the employees, you know, do you know what buttermilk is? Where's the buttermilk? And nobody had any idea what I was talking about. And then another American woman came to me and she was like, you're looking for buttermilk? I was like, yes. (laughs) I'm also a lost soul. (laughs) (laughs) She was like, I've been through this before. You're looking for carnamilk. So Uh. I found it. (laughs) Carnamilk. Brooke, I actually, I was curious. Did making a menu like this, which was not super conventional, and also having people who didn't really have like a um, childhood context for Thanksgiving, did it like make it easier? Did it take the pressure off of cooking like this big meal for you? It really did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I I think I mentioned when we first started talking that, you know, I really like to cook these complex meals that take me forever in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And part of that is just because I like being in the kitchen and I like keeping my hands busy and um, I like the process, but I feel like when it comes to Thanksgiving, I do feel that pressure and I think that part of the reason why I go for really complex recipes that are going to just be like backbreaking work, I do that because I feel like that's the only way to get the big results, you know? Mm. Um, so (laughs) when I served everything and we were eating it, I was just like, wow, you know, 
this wasn't nearly as stressful as my Thanksgiving day usually is. I mean, this had that big impact without making me stressed out. (laughs) Yeah, I actually, I love hearing that. Me too. I mean, like the impact, but without the sacrifice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I just, this is a holiday in which we put so much pressure on ourselves. We really do. And then it's like, you can't, Focus then on being a good host or visiting with your family or people you might not ordinarily see. Yeah, this felt like a different hosting experience. I was more able to be present with everyone and enjoying Thanksgiving myself. I'm so delighted that you did this and that you had this kind of opportunity to have a dry run. You're heading into Thanksgiving in like, you know, the the best shape, like psychologically and culinarily possible, I'd like to think. And, um, you know, however, you know, actual Thanksgiving takes shape and the final dishes and the, the sort of the bigger menu you put together, I hope you're able to enjoy it. Absolutely. I'm sure I will. If I could pass along one piece of Thanksgiving advice to you all, it's basically exactly what Brooke figured out. Remember that you can have a big impact without all the stress. But I also couldn't let you go without sharing a pro tip from Brooke's mom. Step one is put on your tennis shoes. Because because she's like, you're going to be in that kitchen all day long. You got to have on supportive shoes for the whole day. If you're going to make it, you got to have those tennis shoes on. If you have a dinner emergency on your hands, write to us at podcasts at bonappetit.com or leave us a voice message at 212-286-SOS1. That's 212-286-7071. You can find the recipes featured on today's episode, the braised pork, the ducks, the sides, the cocktail, plus the rest of the Bon Appetit recipe archive on the new Epicurious app brought to you by Condé Nast. Just search Epicurious in the App Store and download today. Of course, we'll also link everything in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a rating and review on your podcast app of choice and hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Dinner SOS is a Condé Nast Entertainment original podcast. I'm your host, Chris Morocco. My co-host this week is Shilpo Skokovic. Our producer is Michelle O'Brien. Peyton Hayes is our associate producer. Jennifer Nolson is our engineer. Special thanks to Scott Lee for engineering support. We'll be back next week with another Dinner Dilemma. So now we're starting to be very concerned that we will not have a kitchen for Thanksgiving. Kind of any bitters would probably work, right? A mixologist would literally cancel me for that. But I mean, like, (laughs) let's face it, like they're like all a little shade of spicy and a little bit sharp and weird and medicinal and funky. Actually, I was going to suggest... Something even worse. But Say it. I was going to be Say like, it. add a drop of like ginger juice. Oh, yeah. No, <laughs> I don't you're, know if you're done. <laughs> Last Days, a new podcast exploring the biggest icons in pop culture taken too soon and what led to their untimely deaths. It seemed like he was on the cusp of this sort of demise. The juxtaposition between that and the onstage persona that caught us all off guard. Conspiracy theories, shocking details, and untold heartbreak. Hosts Jason and Derek unpack the stories behind each star's demise. This was an unnecessarily ghastly presentation of gory details. It was a media blowback, cues the corner, basically clout chasing. Larger than life, bigger in death. Last Days, available wherever you get your podcasts.